Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with Faith Yen. If you'll recall, we ended on quite a cliffhanger about the burger. Is she going to like it or not? I know that's why you're here. You just want to know about the vegan burger. We're going to get there in just one second. First of all, a little bit of admin to discuss. Um, last time around, I mentioned some statistics about listenership. And I specifically mentioned the fact that the 60-plus age range represented 2% of the listenership. I've since been contacted by someone in that age range who expressed his disappointment that the number was so small, or the percentage was so small for that age range. So I just wanted to clarify something on that. Um, That 2% comes from the Spotify statistics only. Spotify represents about 30% of the overall listenership for this, which is broadly representative of what it, of what it represents for, for a podcast globally. Um, but I also think, call me crazy here, but I think there's probably a bit of a age skew with Spotify, i.e. your probably likely to be younger and using Spotify to listen to stuff versus listening to stuff directly on the website. So what that is saying, because you can listen to this directly on the website, so, and I don't have statistics for that. Um, Spotify gives sort of the best most in-depth statistics. So what I'm saying is if you look at the other 70% of the listenership, there's probably a higher percentage in the higher age brackets effectively. So just wanted to clarify that. Um, a couple other things that I have been thinking about and pondering. I had a really interesting conversation with my seven-year-old son in the last week. We were watching The Mandalorian. I hope you like The Mandalorian because it's a fantastic TV show. My son and I have watched every episode in seasons one and two, and we're, we are re-watching season one. And season one, episode three of that show is titled... The Sin. And I had an amazing moment watching that with my son when the title card came up and my seven-year-old son said to me, What is sin? And I thought to myself, Thank fucking God, Jesus Christ. Man, my life is so different from my son's. Because from the earliest thing I remember is just hearing about sin and how we were just wrong for being human. And how we all had to pay some price for some spiteful God. And our whole life was to be dedicated to somehow removing the the blight of that sin from humanity. And that's pretty much the only reason I was born was to serve that purpose for the fucked up fantasy of this... uh, lunatic cult leader and so when my son said daddy what does sin mean i just thought fuck i'm doing something right here in my life one more thing to add here going back to the admin section just want to say thank you to the people that have become patreon subscribers uh it means a lot to me that means i can um you know foot some of the, the bills uh that go into keeping this show running. Um, I can also pay Teddy for doing the artwork at some point. 
I'm still working on earning enough to get me there, but uh, I think some point in like a year, maybe at the current rate, I might have enough to pay him for, uh, uh, you know, pay him like a, a decent wage for his for his uh, for his artwork. Um, we'll see. But um, yeah, I wanted to say thank you. And, and one thing I've noticed there is that uh, it does seem like there's sort of a correlation uh, between people that I know that are sort of involved in the arts um, and their willingness to contribute. So. That's very interesting to see. Just saying. Um, again, thank you so much to those that, that have contributed financially. Um, for anyone who is unable or unwilling to do so as well, um, just hit that subscribe button. Uh, leave me a rating on Apple or wherever you put, listen to podcasts um, just to help with the uh, – with the visibility and um yeah that that uh could you know turn into something meaningful for me so thank you so much uh and also as always um just you know share this with people that you think it could be helpful for send them a link to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on or just send them a link to fallingoutpod.com um thanks again now back to part two of my interview with faith um First of all, yes, we do talk about the burger. That's the most important part, obviously. Uh, beyond that, we uh, we go. Uh, I don't know. This is just a fun episode. Um, it, there's, I mean, there's some fucked up shit that's discussed about, but it was interesting. Um, and we talk a lot in here about um, specific resources that Faith found valuable, and I'm going to link to all of those in the show notes uh, for those of you that are listening. Uh, on my website, uh, the show notes do not render as well on the website as they do in various podcasting platforms, but I put up a new link uh, on the episodes uh, portion of the site that links to uh, a public resource where you can see all the show notes. Um, thanks again to Faith for getting involved. I think this is a great episode. Uh, and You guys check out Faith on YouTube at FaithY3N. Also, wait, one more thing. I just wanted to say thank you to Faith because when I was – Talking to her about starting this show, she gave me some advice as a fellow content creator and basically said, don't overthink it. And I've really tried to take that advice in mind. And I have to say, for the first pre-launch episodes, I overthought everything. But since then, I've learned a lot and I've tried to take that on board. And um, as a result, I think this whole project is just a bit more free-flowing and it's happening faster uh and i have faith to thank for that so thank you faith and i hope it's improving the end results now here it goes part two of my interview with faith yen all right um oh yeah you should have did anyone in the church did anyone ahead. in the church give anyone flack for being vegetarian or vegan? Oh my God. I'm glad you asked that. Did, did you get it? Cause I As, got it. Yeah. I tried to go vegetarian for a summer and no one would let me forget it or shut up about it. My mom tried to slip meat into my food without my consent. So here's the thing. So uh, this is actually one of the kind of like formative experiences for me leaving. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. So basically, um, when I was, I think I was 18, like a lot of stuff happened that what kind of like precipitated my, my leaving the church, but a lot of it happened like around the age of 18, effectively. Uh, and one of the things is uh, a really good friend of mine um, who I'd known from the age of like 12, like we basically gone to school together. Um, 
he he'd been a vegetarian from like the age of eight or something like that he just woke up one day and was like mom and dad i don't want to eat meat and they were like fucking cool we're, we're going to support that uh and so he just stopped and he was like vegetarian like he still is vegetarian i actually just spoke to him yesterday he's still a vegetarian um um but um i was in i was in it was like my first year in university um and uh, i remember talking to him and just kind of thinking about being vegetarian and you know i, I kind of like mentally i understand like what it means for the planet to not to not eat meat like i i get all those environmental reasons uh uh and i was like you know what like maybe i should just just try this uh just just like see how it goes um and my friend was like was like yeah you you know you should try it for a week and then and then just 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 you know if it works continue you know like like just try it for a week and see what happens um uh, and i was like yeah fuck it that sounds like a good idea so try it for a week and during that week um i ended up meeting up with a guy uh, in the DC area who was a um, like a sort of a church youth leader effectively. Um, so cause I, I went to university and I grew up in the DC area, but I also went to university in the DC area and I was still kind of like hanging out with some of those people on the weekends. Um, and I met up with this guy who was a, a church leader, um, <laughs> a church youth leader. Uh, and I told him that I was like going to be veg like trying vegetarianism for a week. Defer, and he was he was a bit of a redneck, so I'm going to use a redneck accent when I when I say when I say this. But go the, for it. First, you have the, time password. The first the first thing he says is, "What are you gay?" And I'm <laughs> no way. Oh my god. And I was like, "What? The, are you fucking kidding me? Are like there's so much wrong with that?" <laughs> so and then. And then he goes, he goes, you don't put meat in your mouth. So you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't, like, like, I was like, all right, there's a lot wrong with that statement. And then the next thing before I could even say, even say anything, um, uh, he goes, he goes, you know what? You, you're, you're, there's no way you're going to stick with that. And in, in six months, there's no way you're going to be, you're going to be vegetarian. Uh, and I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, I actually didn't even say anything, but in the back of my head, I was just like, you know what? Like, honestly, fuck you. I'm going to do this for six months just to spite you. Um, and then you're like, suddenly I'm very passionately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of like just trying it for a while. How but did that like, happen? Like you have, you have made me super passionate about this. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I did it for six months. I ended up being vegetarian for like probably four or five years afterwards. Um, as a result of that, I, I'm not now. Um, but I was for a long time. Um, and yeah, that, that's actually really funny you mentioned that because, because for me, I, I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like you, that's the whole thing about being gay. Like what, like that's, there's so much wrong with that statement. And second of all, like, like what does your diet have to do with your sexual? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like why, why is that the first thing that you say? It's just like, it's so mindless. Your favorite and, color and, is blue and therefore you are gay. Yeah, exactly. It's so much like mindless. It, and it just shows how, like, how, honestly, how stupid the whole fucking enterprise is, in my, in my opinion. The fact that well, someone would it say shows that, how, you know? yeah, it shows how, like, you can, I, like, I'm, I, so, like, I've mentioned, I have a YouTube channel, and I plan for my next video to be about, like, what a cult is and what a cult isn't, because yeah. there are so many people who like to, there are so many, like, frankly, very bitter, emotional atheists who yeah. get very snarky, and they say that every religion is a cult. It just yeah. depends, like, how many people are in it. 
And then there are cult members who try to say every religion is a cult yeah. so that nobody can accuse them yeah. of being a cult. But there is literally a scientific organization. I'm going to be joining like a webinar of theirs yeah. in November. Yeah. There is an organization of psychologists and anthropologists yeah. and therapists who are trying to figure out how to disseminate information about what cult organizations actually are. Yeah. And I think it speaks to the fact that this man felt as though his position as a youth pastor like gave him the right to comment on what you eat when yeah. you're going about your business. Like it just yeah. shows that cults are different from your average religious community because religious yeah. communities want to empower you spiritually. They want to give you inspiration that'll carry you through the hard yeah. times in your life, right? Yeah. Like that's what hopefully your Nana's Sunday school service and bake sale is about. Yeah. And then they like, they don't judge you if you yeah. eat deep fried chicken wings like every yeah. day of the week and give yourself diabetes. They don't judge you if you want to be vegan. They like, it's like literally if you can be inspired, that's what our religion is here to yeah. do for you. Like there are religions like that. But a cult organization has to control you. That's where they get their hit from. That's their yeah. buzz. Yeah. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than what you do and what you eat and what you wear on a Sunday. Yeah. It has to permeate your entire identity until yeah. your only personality trait is doing what everybody else in this group does. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, like, and, and no, it's, I mean, I guess it's part of like what I've been going through over the last like year or so. I've started, I've started like kind of digging into the academic research on like what's a cult versus a normal quote unquote normal religion uh and by the way like like I, I am like pretty vehemently atheist given everything that i've that i've grown up with um uh but i also do recognize like like there is a difference like i, I have friends who are religious who are like patently not cult members um and like like you know you know they're they, they don't have this crazy thing exerting all this control over their over their life uh, mm -hmm. and you know we can have a civil conversation and agree to disagree and like i have a great friendship with them uh, and I can tell like hundred percent with hundred percent certainty, like they are not in a cult. They just, they just believe in the Bible and like in certain, certain bits of the Bible, uh, I would, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, but I guess all that is to say is I, I agree with you hundred percent. There is, there is, if you look into the academic research, there is, there is like academic distinctions between religions and cults. And it's not just the, the amount of um, followers that they have. Uh, it's, it's, I'm kind of, uh, and I'm kind of like summarizing a lot, but it basically has to do with the amount of control that they, that they exert upon, upon the members effectively, kind of exactly, exactly what, what you were saying. Um, and yeah, in the future, I might like to kind of like dive into some of those specific like areas of control, but yep. Yeah, like you're hundred percent right. There are, there is a distinction between the two. Mm -hmm. Wild. One of the, one of the main ones I thought it is just like this kind of like control over relationships um and this is like um so it's, it's interesting i guess i was um in the, the 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 courses that i've been taking over the last the last few months on this like i was talking to someone who um was basically in like the not a religious cult at all but was in effectively a left-wing political cult for a long time um, mm. and even within that, even they didn't have all this bullshit about religion and like the sanctity of sex or sorry, sorry, marriage and the sanctity of sex and the lineage and all that shit. Right. Um, but they still had the guy at the top was telling people who they could marry and who they could not marry. Um, so they were mm. still interested in exerting that control over the, 
over the relationships um, within within this this group. Uh, and eventually, that person left and you know talked about her story, etc. But it's definitely it, it's a thing. You're 100 percent right. Yeah, that's the other thing that gets erased when people throw the word cult around as a means of insulting people that they're annoyed by without understanding mm. how serious and how very real these sort of like human trafficking Ponzi schemes are. Yeah. Is because there are tons of cults that have nothing to do with religion. Yeah. There are tons of cults that present themselves as like professional career development yeah. programs yeah. or like political groups yeah. or you know, it could be literally anything. It could be literally any interest group. Um, but if they can invite you in and sort of get you dependent on like the the love bombing and the attention that they give you or the job that they give you or like convince you to move in with a bunch of people, then it's like next thing you know, you're dependent on them for everything in your life. Yeah. And they sort of take over your identity. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at um, some of the questions here. I'm just going to wonder, trying to like kind of maybe switch gears here for a second. Um, hold on. Um, I guess I'm just kind of curious if we go back to sort of your experience leaving, I'm just kind of wondering like what what did that do to you, to like you and your relationship with your family and like, and what would you say what would you say to the, to like, you know, you call it, I don't know, four or five years ago, or maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. But like when you were like, like starting when the, when the, when like the, when the penny started to drop, um, that this yeah. whole thing was a scam, like what, what do you wish you knew then, uh, based on all your experiences between now and then? Um, that's tough. That's really tough. Um, you know, I actually feel extremely blessed in the way that things panned out. And I'm shocked to hear myself say that. Mm. But um, I have since met women who have had similarly discriminatory upbringings and abusive upbringings as I have. Mm. Um, I currently live with a bunch of women who are escaping gang affiliation and domestic violence. Whoa. Um, Holy and shit. similar, honestly, similar backgrounds as me. Cause like, uh, I don't know. Like if you look at the mentality and the recruiting process of a gang, it's actually not that dissimilar from mm. that of a cult. Yeah. And, uh, there was a lot of like domestic violence in my family, um, outside of my nuclear family and inside yeah. my nuclear family. Like, my parents always justified their psychological and physical abuse by saying, you don't have it as hard as I had it. Um, okay. So like part of what broke me out of um, that toxic dynamic in my own personal nuclear family, but then also that sort of started a domino effect and broke me out of the cult uh, culture even more like the Mooney culture Part of what like kickstarted that for me was reading, um, taking this like women's writers class in community okay. college. Okay. Um, and hearing like a female perspective, a woman's perspective from 200, 300 years ago when okay. women were not allowed to get an education in any way. Mm. Um, and women couldn't purchase anything without 
like being chaperoned by a man and just especially reading the works of like Virginia Woolf and other prominent women writers of the time and then also reading like one of the first I'll never forget as long as I live like I was so scared to be in college period like it felt so weird to be going mm. to such like a secular group mm. uh even though I was like on my that time I was just really anxious about the whole thing and one of the first assignments that this women writers class gave me was to read an essay by Sigmund Freud called okay. like Freud's essay on women where he says women are useless essentially and the oh. only thing that women have ever contributed to society is the ability to uh, basket weave and the only reason that women figured out how to weave baskets is because the first time a girl sees a penis she desperately wants one of her own so she starts weaving her penis men know how to weave things and sew things and that's the only thing that women have to contribute to life and that's sigmund freud who everyone to this day calls the father of psychology and quotes all the time and we've got statues yeah. of him everywhere so it's sort wow. of like it put words to this sort of stifling misogyny yeah. that is rampant in my family and then also encouraged yeah. in the moonies cult yeah it's just like if i was like finally someone said it and it like connected yeah. me to Amazing. this centuries yeah. long like history of women who call it like it is and say this is like i'm worth more than this yeah this is a blind spot that you have and i'm not going to be your scapegoat anymore yeah. like that really like amazing me and other girls in this like online class we were like wow this essay like had me in tears like i feel so validated like this yeah is crazy. can you what's the name of the essay i just want to like point people to that i believe it's called uh sigmund freud's essay on women i think it's just a very similar okay. title it was okay. just like an essay he wrote because okay. mind you sigmund freud didn't have like a phd in anything he was just a dude who said look send me your wives and i'll fix them uh, for you yeah and like yeah and what about you mentioned virginia wolf are there like specific things that you read you read of hers that you would recommend um a room of her own is a famous okay. uh speech by her Okay. And it really shows you step by step, like all the ways that systemic racism um, spawned from like the beginning of civilization almost, how it impacts a woman's ability to write fiction or write anything substantial or even focus on her thoughts rather than doing physical labor. Okay. So wow. it's called A Room of Her Own and it's like an extended essay that she turned into a speech that she was asked okay. to give at okay. like this graduation or something. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's really, that's really interesting. And I hope, you know, someone out there is like, listens to this and reads those and, you know, maybe turn some gears in their, in their head, basically. Um, do you, is there anything else that comes to mind on those? I think that both of those are really powerful. And this is one of, one of my favorite things to ask people is like, what are the things that you read or like the films that you watched or that like, like the, I, I don't know, like anything like that. Can you made a list. Oh, amazing. Okay, let's hear yes. it. <laughs> this is one of the questions I prepared for. Okay. So after, after sort of being um, empowered and shocked awake by like historically famous women authors, yeah, um, I sort of had like a, a panic attack and a spiritual awakening and started like separating myself from my biological family and different yeah. resources that I've been using since then to heal my depression and heal my panic attacks that I thought I would live with for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, there's this book series called Real Love by uh, Greg Bayer, MD, okay. and he's got a website called reallove.com. Yeah. And it basically takes the concept of being responsible for your own emotions, like to the 12th degree. 
Like it literally okay. helps you break down sentence by sentence in every conversation, how you can stop attacking and blaming other people or playing okay. the victim in different situations. Okay. And just like stop playing those power plays and those mind games in okay. any kind of conversation and take responsibility for yourself. Okay. Uh, and then after that, um, in no particular order, uh, there's this YouTuber called Aaron Dowdy, um, A-A-R-O-N, last name Dowdy, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. He has a YouTube channel uh, with over a million subscribers. Okay. Um, he's kind of woo-woo. He talks okay. about aliens sometimes, but he okay. also talks about a lot of really cool resources and basically how to like let go of trauma and let go of negative emotions okay. and sort of become the creator of your life rather than a victim of the circumstances yeah. of your life. Okay. Um, because of his YouTube channel, I read the book Letting Go by Dr. Hawkins, okay. um, which talks about the physical and psychological effects that emotions have on your body and on your life. Uh, okay. That helped me get that over a whole really bunch of PTSD symptoms. Yeah. Yep. Um, I did about 36 weeks of narrative exposure therapy or NET at the Long okay. Beach Trauma Recovery Center. Okay. That has drastically improved the quality of my life. Okay. Um, I would say also if you're a Mooney or a cult member and you haven't at least gone to like community college, I would highly recommend it because that yeah. really upgraded me in a lot of ways. And like, it took a while for me to sort of talk myself out of this arrogant, like I'm an entrepreneur. If you go to college, you're a sucker and like only lame people who don't know how to be a business owner go to college, but like going to college especially if your parents dropped out. If you're a first-generation college student, I remember hearing this statistic somewhere that like first-generation college, blue-collar college students are 90% less likely to kill themselves if they go to college. Wow. You are significantly more likely to die of an addiction or suicide if you don't get an education wow. and like complete some sort of degree. Wow. Just because it opens you up to so many different like lifestyles. Like college is such a safe environment where you don't have to worry about someone screaming in your face or cutting you off. Yeah. Um, or like, it's sort of like you're the baseline is you are respected for who you are. No one's going to challenge your identity. Yeah. No one's going to disrespect you. This is where we discuss ideas from a yeah. very safe, like pleasant yeah. frame of mind. Yeah. And then it also gave me access to financial aid. Like because mm -hmm. I'm a first generation college student and I was working just whatever dead end job. I qualified for a bunch of financial aid in the state of California. And that's what okay. helped me move out of like a Mooney household okay. um, and Great. sort of move out on my own. Great. I have a lot more, uh, but I don't know how long I want to rant for. <laughs> okay. No, that's, that's really interesting. Um, what is narrative exposure therapy? I have not heard of it. Great question. Um, so you can get narrative exposure therapy for grieving a recently deceased family member you can get it for any sort of trauma in my case i was um getting it for the most traumatic memories from my childhood and then also the trauma of sort of discovering that i had dedicated my life to a cult mm -hmm. so basically a licensed professional therapist sits you down and helps you draw out a timeline like your first session okay. is you literally physically create a timeline on a piece of paper okay with all of your most profoundly negative and profoundly positive experiences okay you try to line it up on a timeline as accurately in chronological order as you can okay and you 
give it a little, you give each event like a little caption or a little title. Okay. And then over the course of your sessions, each session, like each week, um, you pick a stone. We call them stones and flowers okay. in my cute okay. little. <laughs> <like their> <laughs> nice. So you, you focus on the stones, you focus on the trauma and each, each time you pick one of those traumatic events and you write the name on, of it on the top of a piece of paper. Yeah. And then in between each therapy session, you're taking time to yourself and writing out everything you can remember about how that event happened. Okay. And then you bring your little paper that you wrote and you read it to the therapist. Yeah. And then you discuss the things you wrote, how you felt about writing okay. it, how you feel reading it, what you would say to that version of yourself. Okay. And you do that for every single event on your time. Okay. Okay. It's like, it's a, it's shockingly like transformative. Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. It's like you, you realize how hard it is to even just sit down and take yourself there long enough to yeah. write down details. Yeah. And then by reading it, you almost like, whoa, I've been like blaming myself for something that doesn't even make sense to blame myself for. Mm. Or like, wow, I can't even, I remembered that this event happened, but I didn't remember that detail. Yeah. Until I wrote it down and read it. And it's like you sort of unearth all this stuff. That you wow. Like Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just think even just like that first, that first exercise of just like, like writing out that timeline. That's a big, that's a big undertaking. Yeah. Like, like that's got to take more than an hour, right? That can't be like a, like, did you do that in a single session or like? Um, yeah, pretty much did it in a single session. Our session was about an hour long because you, you just, you draw a straight uh, line on a piece of paper. It doesn't have okay. to be a straight line, but okay. um, you write, draw a line on a piece of paper and then you just pick all of the memories that are screaming at you the loudest, I guess, okay. <laughs> like just the ones. Yeah. And it, you're really just trying to get the dates right and just like a, a real quick, like one or two word okay. title right. okay. for it. Just remember okay. the order in which everything happened. Okay. But yeah, it took me the full hour. Okay. Like to just yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. And actually, I just wanted to, I just like, I just wanted to like draw a point for like the listeners. So you're now the third person that I've interviewed. I hope there's many more. Um, but one thing that I believe every single person has, has mentioned is PTSD. Um, mm -hmm. Every, and I just, I just want to like draw that connection between, between these three interviews. So, you know, like we are talking about when we're talking about the unification church, we're talking about an organization where one of the very common threads amongst people who were born into it um, is PTSD. So mm -hmm. wh what does that tell you about the organization? Uh, you know, th that, like, like I, I hope that that might maybe tell you something about the organization itself. If that is a common thread, because I can tell you it's something that's common to me and many more, I, I, I would hazard a guess that most people that I interviewed um, would would suffer would say that they suffered from something like that. Um, and as we discussed earlier, there are thousands of us out there. If an organization is causing thousands of people PTSD, what does that say about the organization? Just want to just want to ask that question and 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 make that point to, to anyone anyone who's listening. Um, I'm just gonna leave that right there for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave exactly. us here. Like I, again, I think like part of this for me is trying to like draw connections between the various people that I'm speaking to, and that's interesting because it's not like I've asked, I, I haven't asked everyone, anyone, like, do you have PTSD? But everyone's brought it up on their own, right? Uh, so there you go. That's one of the common threads that's coming out of having these conversations, effectively.
if I might go on a mini rant about that, like yeah. post-traumatic stress disorder, it has become a disorder that gets thrown around everyday vernacular and like used by tumblerinos who don't have PTSD. It's like no. sort of, oh my God, my ADHD, <laughs> I can't focus. But like, yeah. you know, post-traumatic stress disorder changes your entire personality. It mm. affects every facet of your life. It yeah. affects your ability to go to sleep. It yep. affects your ability to like socialize or go outside sometimes, yeah. depending on how intense it is for you. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that people with actual PTSD constantly bring it up. It's because I don't recognize who I am with PTSD versus the person that I was before I had been through half the traumas that like the church mm. and my like tumultuous life put me through. Yeah. There was one event in particular that I had at a job that really turned my like low level, like chronic stress traumatized past into full-blown like debilitating post-traumatic okay. stress disorder okay what was so, it like, if i can ask um so i got a job at a halfway house for teenage boys who were in and out of juvie um okay. and it was a very uh disorganized company and they put me in a life-threatening situation oh, i wow. sued them afterward and won okay. a settlement okay. Okay. because that situation turned my like pre-existing chronic stress into like i can't sleep for three days without medication type yeah. of ptsd okay okay but it's like i don't know um wow, ptsd Jesus. like it really i don't know i i'm particularly heated about people overusing the word ptsd because yeah. i've tried to tell people about what i've been through and the fact yeah. that i have ptsd yeah. and they don't believe me they're like yeah Oh, sure, you do, little white girl. And I'm like, no, for real. I was trafficked in one of the most famous cults in America. I have yeah. this symbol tattooed on my back. You can Google it if you want. Do you you and have also, it? You like, have the symbol tattooed on your back? I do. I have the 12 gate symbol, the size of a dinner plate, no. tattooed in between my shoulder blades. When did you get it and why? <laughs> um, so I saw a photo of someone at a blessing with okay. it. Um and that is what put the idea in my head. I've always loved the okay. ideas of tattoos, even when I was yeah. a little kid. I always knew okay. I was going to get something. Okay. And I decided to sit with it for like five years before I actually got it. And in those five years, Reverend Moon died. All those scandals came to light. I lost my virginity and I left the church. And I still wanted to get the tattoo in the same way that sometimes you get tattoos of people who are no longer in your life, who probably weren't even that good to you, but they still defined you as a person. And I realized it's a unique tattoo. And like, I realized it was universally identified outside the church as a cult symbol. And therefore, if I tattooed it on my body, nobody could keep trying to tell me that I made up all of these accusations of the church being a cult. Wow. Interesting. Like, no one could tell me that I made that up in my head. Like, I don't know. Whoa. Okay. It went so... from me wanting to honor the true parents to me being like, this is a cult. Everyone knows it except you. I know you kicked me out and you're trying to tell me that yeah. I made up all of this trauma in my head, yeah. but I didn't. This is an important part of my life and an important part of my story. Yeah. So fuck you, pay me. I'm tattooing it on myself. So <laughs> that's really interesting. So I was, um, when I, when I was younger, like eight, eight, I, I'd kind of like left the church, but I still had a lot of good friends in the church. And um, some of them were like, oh, we should get that. We should get the symbol tattooed on our back. Um, and I actually remember a good friend of mine, I won't mention his name, but he was like, yeah, I think how awesome it'd be like if we like went to the beach and we all had like the same like tattoos on the back, but like, we, it would be like different colors. Like you could have blue and I could have red, but it'd be like the same symbol. It'd be the like, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's fucking cool. Like we should do it. Um, 
And uh, I was actually like strongly considering doing it, um, uh, but I never did. Um, and in hindsight, I'm so glad I didn't because I don't want the fucking symbol of the goddamn church on me. Like, like I'm sorry, like I want to live my own life and not have that shit tattooed on me. Um, but it's interesting. Like, I also, I also respect. Like, like I'm so glad that like the fact that you got it after you left, uh, and it's and it's a symbol of ownership for you. That's fucking mm-hmm. wicked, and I'm really happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> because if it happened the other way, I w- I would be like, oh, I don't like. Oh, oh yeah. So like, I would have. Yep, yeah. No. <laughs> be like, why don't you get it covered up? But like, for real. If it was the no, other it, way around, but. <laughs> it really became it became an act of like resistance and almost like my totem in inception when i was like being yeah. gaslit as fuck yeah like, when you're like no no this shit happened to me this this happened it did yeah and you don't get to tell me what i didn't didn't experience just because i'm not a church member anymore yeah like i don't know yeah wow that's really interesting yep. that's uh that's really interesting is it is it red what color are we talking it's black it is black. a okay. full-blown yeah, I'm wearing a sweater right now, but okay. otherwise I'd probably try to show yeah. you on camera. But what, I have like, a picture. I have a picture on socials. Okay, I'll send me if you if you can link 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 me to it. I'd, I'd be curious. Like, how big are we talking? Like, you said it's like the size of a dinner plate. Like, okay. About yay big. Yeah. Okay. As big as my face. Okay, so it's like the, Yeah, it's like kind of like head size. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's decent decently sized. Um. Holy shit! I was not expecting to ever meet anyone who had a, a tattoo. Uh, um, wow. Okay. I, I can't even remember where my blessing ring is. Um, that's, that's the one thing I had that that had the symbol on it. It's gone, man. Forget that. Um, I know people who like like. There's a friend of mine that I'm planning on uh, moving in with pretty soon, and she's got. She's also an ex cult member and an adamant atheist now. Yeah. But when she was on her way out mentally, she got um, like uh, a holy song lyric tattooed in like okay. cursive okay. on her arm. Okay. So I've heard of other people sort of like getting tattoos as like a memento or like as a yeah. way to bring closure. Almost like when you break up with a boyfriend or you get a divorce and you just like need to dye your hair purple and get a tattoo. In yeah. A <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. No. No. I could. I could see that. And that is actually like well documented that like like kind of like that divorce analogy i think is like that's a thing um yeah uh or like other like life changes getting something to to document it to like let you know put a line in the sand and have some some closure around it so i'm just i'm really glad that that you got it for that reason um that's like great like well well done happy to happy to hear that mm-hmm. um damn i was not i was not expecting that <laughs> you seem shook I am because I because I was like I, I think I, I thought I was the only person who ever thought about getting that tattoo, uh, and the fact that you actually did it like, damn! All right, sweet. Um, so wait, what are the? I'm kind of curious, like what? So you mentioned like a lot of sort of nonfiction books earlier. I'm just wondering, like, do you have other kind of like? Are, are there any kind of like fictional characters? I feel like this is kind of interesting. People have like specific. You know, works of fiction or like characters that they've really like identified identified with, um, just like like oh. either when they're leaving or or later on in their life or whatever. That's a great question. I've never really considered that, but I have. You know, I've noticed in myself 
that my favorite movies always involve some sort of wild paradigm shift. Okay. Um, just because it's almost like a validating, cathartic, like satisfying thing for me to watch fictional characters go through. Right. So I was just thinking of like my list of favorite movies the other day. And it's like, I realized it's all movies that have some sort of crazy, like mind twist almost. Yeah. Like, interesting. The Matrix, like yeah. uh, Snowpiercer. Yeah. Um, Hot Fuzz, which is a comedy, but it yeah. still has a cult in it. It's like, yeah. surprise, like. Yeah. This village is run by a cult. Spoiler yeah, alert, yeah like, true. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like all my favorite movies have some sort of like secret organization that gets uncovered or like. Interesting. I, yeah. I think my most recent fave was uh, Snowpiercer. Okay. It came out a while ago. Yeah. And it has a Korean director actually, but that's yeah. all about. Yeah. Realizing that like you've been a slave your whole life and it didn't have to be this way. And like yeah. people at the front of this train I don't know if I want to summarize the whole movie, but yeah. it has a plot yeah. twist. Yeah, 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 A plot twist behind a plot twist behind a plot twist. Yeah, yeah. I think that, so I, I saw that film a while ago. Um, I think it's the same director as Parasite. Have you have you seen Parasite? It is. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Parasite okay. yet. Okay, okay. Uh, Parasite's really interesting coming from the church and- That became you know, an immediate favorite though. Like, like, just kind of like spending time in Korea and like understanding Korean culture and uh, watching this film, which is, I guess, like about classism in Korea, uh, effectively. Uh, I, that was really, I, I, I would recommend that. Um, that I, yeah, that was, that was really good. Um, and yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. you know, if you've lived lived through the sort of shit that you lived through, similar to what I've lived through, then I, I think it would. Yeah, you'd probably find it interesting. Um, yeah, I heard it like won. Did it win an Academy Award? It won Academy Award. It won. Yes. An, it won, it won Best amazing. Picture. And, and yeah, Donald Wild. Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won Best Picture. Uh, Were you going to say Donald Trump tweeted? Donald Trump tweeted it. Yeah, he, yes. Oh, how did you guess? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I saw Twitter. I saw people's reaction to that movie yeah. on Twitter. I haven't seen the movie yet. But yeah. There yeah, were a no. lot of xenophobes. Just yes. Like, Yep. How dare a Korean director win an yeah, exactly. Academy Award? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Funny. That's basically what it was. And uh, yeah, that was that was Donald Trump's gripe, I, th I think. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. I'm just kind of just kind of like conscious of time and looking at some of these other questions. I guess I'm kind of like wondering now like where where are you in your life like like uh, forget like circumstantially but like what do you this is I like we were always taught, I feel like this is actually one of the hardest thing going, going through what, what you and I have gone through is like, we were taught, like, this is the way, this is what success looks like. You, you know, you, you get, you get married, you have kids, you have this so-called ideal family. Like that's what you do. That's what success is. Uh, and you know, what I've had to go through is basically like kind of like shedding all that and trying to like figure out what success means for me. Um, and I'm just, I'm wondering like, you know, from where you sit, what, what does that look like? Like what, what does success in life look like to you now? Um, yeah. What is, what, what does that look like? That's a great question. Um, you know, in hindsight, I think a big part of the reason why I was always so like loud and confident and like um, ambitious even while I was still in the church, like more so than a lot of women I saw 
was because I've always thought of success as me like contributing to the culture of the world in some big way. Like to me, what inspired me the most about being a church member was the idea that God wants to see Moonies achieve great things in our lifetime. And like the reason why the divine principle is so helpful and I became a divine principle lecturer. Like the reason why, wow. okay. like the three stages of growth and like why the doctrine is so helpful is because it teaches you to put aside all worldly distractions and like addictions and like substances or habits you might use to numb yourself and pleasure yourself. And you focus on what your unique gift to the universe is that like God gave you. Mm. And I think like in hindsight, that's the thing that helped me like, I don't know, become so invested in the church at such a young age, but it's also the thing that sort of ruined my relationship with the church because they said that shit, but they didn't mean it. They didn't think yeah. anyone would actually like take it seriously. Like yeah. they also tried to say that women were baby makers and like in my community, yeah. like a couple broke up because the doomsday prepper husband like didn't want her to go to college and wanted her to start having babies right away. And like, yeah. do you know what I mean? So to me, I guess part of what helped me leave the church was realizing like, yeah, actually like this, this sort of like fake promise that they made to me and other church members to get us excited is being honored in the secular community and being honored at school. Like I'm being like mm -hmm. applauded for having yeah. this unique voice and this drive to like write meaningful things and, sing meaningful songs and just like educate myself and contribute my unique gifts to society like mm. to me that is success to me to me like i don't want to get married out of insecurity i don't want to get a job out yeah. of insecurity i don't want to do anything based out of like a scarcity mindset to me success is living a life where everything i do comes from an attitude of abundance um, everything I do like brings more unconditional love into that situation. And like, I live in total alignment with like who I am and there's no gap between who I present to the world and who I really feel like mm. I am on the inside. That's, that's success to me. It's like a daily practice. Mm. I don't, I don't feel like there's a finish line or any accolade or any like marital status or career status that I could achieve that would okay. make me feel like oh, I'm a success okay. now. Yeah. I feel like it's a daily thing. If every single day with every conversation and every decision I make, if I'm living in alignment with what I'm really feeling in that moment and not putting up a front or people pleasing or like compromising myself in any way, that's a success to me. Interesting. That's a really, it's, so it's funny. It's like a lot of that, it, and this goes back to your point earlier. It's like, it's like the, the church uses a lot of <laughs> they use a lot of ideas that it's kind of like, oh, every, you know, anyone could like agree with that. Like, you know, you should try and put goodness into the world. If you have gifts, you should try and like, like get those out there and like, you know, better the world, better the world and stuff. So it's like, it, but, but what you're, what you're saying is like, is like you, you accept, accept some of that. It's not accept some of that, but like, like, like you, you're, you're, you're willing to like define your life along like, something similar although I'm not, I'm not saying it's based on the church but like there is some like some i guess like thematic alignment in just like you know trying to do good in the world uh basically um but but what you've described is like absent the 
the markers of 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 success that the that the church tries to like put around around your life like did you go to the right school did you get the right job did you marry did you like marry the right person did you have the right number of kids all that all, all that stuff so effectively what you're describing is like is like just doing those things for the implicit value in doing them uh as opposed to like the markers that they that they that they may may bring um and, and exactly I, yeah yeah uh, and yeah, I, think that, I mean, hey, listen, uh, my dad used to commit fraud. And what every good fraudster knows is you can't just come up to people with lie after lie after lie because they're mm, going to smell your bullshit right away. You yeah. have to create an elaborate structure that's mostly yeah. truth. And then slip in a quick, like, yeah. clause in there that says, oh, by the way, you're giving me all your money. Yeah. Ipso facto, all of these true facts mean that I own you. Yeah. I get a bunch of stuff from you. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's what keeps brought people into the church originally. Yeah. And that's what keeps a lot of people in is because like on a purely like in a purely intellectual vacuum, there is a lot of like universal truth. Yeah. It's just that the church bureaucracy and the moon family said, okay, ipso facto, give us all your money. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, exactly. and yeah. that's why we'll keep you in these dormitories, Faith, if you go to Juilliard, but not if you don't. You yeah. Yeah, you exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's, it's just like, a, yeah, I was gonna say, it's like, it's one of, it's one of the hard things about like, about growing up in this is like, you look at your parents and you're like, okay, like, in a way, like they're, they kind of had the right motivations in a way, like they wanted, they wanted to better the world. They wanted, I think, and like, like, I think they like legitimately thought like what they were doing was like, gonna help the world basically. And then, you look at it here, you know, I'm like, I'm nearly 40 years old and I'm like, yeah, they were like that, uh, that sentiment was taken advantage of, uh, and, and, you know, manipulated to the nth degree, um, to the point that they were, you know, abusing their children and, uh, you, like they thought it was cool. They thought it was all for the cause, you know? Um, so it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking, like looking back and like, and like see, seeing that, like, uh, you know, seeing your parents, is just kind of like having that idealism, but knowing that it's just been twisted effectively, like kind of doing, doing the right, having the right reasonings, but doing the wrong things effectively. Um, yeah, it's like, it's kind of sad how I can see now speaking about my parents specifically, yeah. it's kind of sad that I can see so clearly now that like they weren't wrong like the moonies yeah. were an upgrade from their life before but their life before was so fucking awful that an upgrade still isn't that great okay and like you know what i mean <laughs> like an upgrade right. them being better than their parents is still illegal child abuse like yeah jesus you're on the right yeah. track you just uh yeah and it's it's wild how like wow. you can think that you're upgrading and still i don't know that's that's really yeah it's interesting i'm i'm now sort of com rather than committing myself to any sort of one career goal or milestones i'm committed to self-improvement in and of itself just like good, constantly yeah. wanting to question yeah what i see as important yeah and constantly just seeing how i can be a better version of myself that's good i think that's a good way that's a good mentality to have um and yeah, very different from what, what we are brought up with, which is like, it's all about the status. It's all about, it's all about, did you do this? Did you go to X number of Changpyong fucking days? Did you, did you contribute X amount of tithe or liberate X, X number of ancestors? 
um, all that. And to be honest, stuff. like even in regular mainstream secular society, a lot of people are stuck on this hamster wheel. Yeah, I think psychologists who study happiness call it like the hedonist treadmill, mm. where you're sold on this idea that if you buy a Lamborghini, you'll suddenly have yeah. a status that'll make you happy forever. Yeah, you get but the really, they look your house. Yeah, and nah. on average, people who make more than $100,000 a year are not any happier than people who make $100,000 a year. It's like once you reach yeah. $50,000, $60,000 a year yeah. in the United States, that's enough to meet all your needs. And once you get past $100,000, yeah. it doesn't make it matter if you make a million dollars a year or $10 million yeah. a year, you're still no happier than you were. Yeah. So it's like attaching your, your happiness to these outside markers really sort of keeps you stuck in the yeah. same sort of terrible desperation that I feel like my parents are stuck in just in a different way in like a spiritual aspect. yeah interesting yeah yeah so they're so like on that same treadmill but just like chasing different goals basically but the yeah. same the same thing um do you not to like not to not to change change topics but one one thing that I think is really interesting to hear uh is do you when you think back to Reverend Moon, do you think he, do you think he believed his bullshit? I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. As soon as you said, do you think Reverend Moon, I was like, did he know? Was, yeah. was he in on the con? Was he getting high on his own supply? Yeah. Was, was like, he, was uh, he in on the con? Like, did he really believe he was a second coming and all this shit or, or was he, di- or, 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 or did he know that he was a fraudster and, and a con man? Okay, so here's my answer to this question. There is a movie on Netflix. I think it's still available on Netflix. Netflix, But it stars Emma Watson. Okay. um, And it's about a real cult compound in Venezuela or Guatemala or something. Okay. I'm trying to remember the title. It's awful that I can't remember the title. Okay, I can look it up and um, put it in the show notes later. That's fine. Great. Um, It's based on a true story about... uh, a couple that was arrested at a protest um, and the boyfriend was taken to this culty religious compound and the woman volunteered to join the cult compound as if she had been seduced by their doctrine for the purpose of extracting her boyfriend that she loved so much. Okay. And they discovered that it was being paid for by the government to like use these people to create weapons and then test these weapons on the people there um and it had this like nefarious political intent okay and my answer to this question is i think reverend moon was a lot like that guy where he he knew he was getting paid to do things to people there are photos of reverend moon having one-on-one meetings with vladimir putin and the dictator of north korea if you look at the autobiography written by one of his daughters-in-law who was married to his cokehead son who yeah. later overdosed and died, yeah. she talks about how she was forced to bring several million dollars in unmarked cash yeah. smuggled in secret compartments of her makeup bag yeah. so that Reverend Moon could bring million dollar gifts, quote unquote, to hand to Vladimir Putin and different dictators. Yeah. Um, I think it speaks volumes that Reverend Moon owns the only car manufacturing company in North Korea and other communist countries. Um, and that his children own like car arms and everything. So I think he knew the business dealings he was doing. I think he knew the political alliances he was creating. 
uh, when he got together with different like conservative American politicians like George Bush Sr. Mm -hmm. and like got together all these major political factions. But however, if you watch this movie, you'll see how this guy also, when the people who are paying him aren't around, he sort of buys into it and he sort of abuses his power to feed his own like perverse sexual addiction to little boys. And I think Reverend Moon sort of was that type of person from the beginning. Like there's documentation okay. of Reverend Moon having orgies with some of the earliest members, mm -hmm. putting his own like bodily fluids in the holy wine and just sort of like yeah. adding extra cherries on top to the doctrine unnecessarily just to say like, oh, by the way, white women are ugly and Asian women are superior in every way. By the way, blah, blah, blah. By the way, I hate gay people. Yeah. Like just, it's a mix of both. Like he knows he's getting paid to do certain things. He knows yeah. he's making money doing business with different people. Yeah. But he also like, when other, when no one's there to like police him, he just like uses it to yeah. bolster his own ego and feed his own addictions. Okay, so you're saying, okay. <laughs> so if I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if it was a completely binary, if you had to say, in on the con or not in on the con, would, would, in, in or out of the con, what would you what would you say? Um, I would say it depends who's asking him. Okay. I think if it benefited him to say no he would say no. And if yeah. it benefited him to say yes, he would say yes. Okay. And I think it's a matter of self-preservation for him to be both. Okay. Does that make sense? I guess so. But <laughs> if he has the wherewithal to know that like his dependence, it like, you know, his, the survival of the whole enterprise, um, you know, rests on whether or not he answers the right the, the right answer to that question to me that means he's in on it um you know if you're a con man if you're a con man and someone someone asks you you know are you in or are you out and you're and you're like well that depends on who's asking then that kind of implicitly means you know that you're a con man effectively you know what well, I mean? See, I, don't know if, I don't know if that okay, makes sense, but that's kind of, I don't know. So you remember that uh, viral, like, um, what's it called? Optical illusion of the-, the Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like, are these- Gold yeah, 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 and yeah. the blue and black dress. Yeah. Is, the, is the dress gold or white or is it blue or black? Okay, okay. And All there right. are people who could see both if you like squint yeah. it. Okay, yeah. It's like, in order to sell it properly and do what you need to do to like- let people die and steal millions of dollars and give speeches for 14 hours plus at a time in this moment i'm yeah. seeing blue and black yeah but if i'm being interrogated by the irs and i could go to jail for three years for committing tax evasion yeah and uh the american news media is down my throat right now i'm seeing white and gold and i have that ability okay. to squint my eyes and wholeheartedly believe what i'm saying it when i'm saying it Okay, interesting. That's okay. the mentality of I a see what you mean. I see what you mean. Liar. I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. I see what you mean. Okay, no, that's a good analogy. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a really good analogy. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Well explained. Very well explained. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you I was just thinking about that. Um, oh man, I had a, a question a question came to mind. Um, just about that. I guess I'm just wondering like what 
I feel like this is an, an interesting thing like to document. I'm just kind of wondering like what's like kind of the worst like um, corruption that you personally witnessed uh, within the church. I know this is something that, that I didn't prepare you for, so you can skip this question if you want, but I'm just wondering like what are some of the, uh, yeah, does anything kind of jump out of you? It's kind of like the, you know, you mentioned this, like the money and the, in the makeup cases. Um, and I know you were not part of the, the, the moon family, but I'm just wondering if you like, like what other sorts of like, pieces of corruption you may have witnessed. Uh, Cause I think that's an interesting thread to draw across these conversations as well. I don't want to compromise anyone's privacy, especially yeah. since I've been asked by this person to keep them on the DL. But, okay. Um, okay. Understood. As a personal favor to me, the person who exposed Injun um, was very close to her in her yeah. life. And the person who exposed her gave me a phone call to explain to me exactly why I was fired because nobody would give me a concrete answer. Okay. Um, and in that phone conversation, that person also told me a whole bunch of other bullshit about what Ingenim had been up to. Okay. Um, I just, I, like, it makes me really sad that, like, Reverend Moon's own children were brought into his dysfunction as soon as they were born in a way that mm. they didn't ask for. And yeah. like, the older children, like you, if you notice, he has like 13 some kids, right? Yeah. Some of them are dead, by the way. One yeah. of them killed themselves because yeah. they couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And like another one of them like went on a TV show for Born Millionaires and like was dressed like an emo kid and was like, yeah, I don't know. My dad says he's a messiah. And I don't know what else to do with my yeah. life. So I'm here. Let yeah. me give this money away. Like, but yeah. you'll notice the, the, the kids of his that are like involved in the church and trying to be messiahs and all that kind of stuff. They're all the older kids. It's yeah. like the first three or four oldest children of his. Yeah. And the rest of them, they're just like, what the fuck? Like my family's insane. Yeah. This is nuts. But at the same time, they've never, they've never lived any other way than with a silver spoon in their mouth. And yeah. they don't give that up either. Like, yeah. so it's just crazy to me that like in Reverend Moon's own biological families, like, family members are suing family members like yeah. people are having affairs and doing cocaine and like just doing all this crazy shit and some of them like tried to get validation from having affairs with like really young people in the movement and like okay you know in the same way that like celebrities get bored and they start hitting on fans and like yeah fans to their house and like yeah it's it was almost like for the moon family it was like they were born into celebrity and a lot of them didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. So there's just been a lot of backstabbing and fakery like within the moon family themselves. And that just kind of breaks my heart. Like I obviously, it's like at the same time, fuck all of you. Like, yeah. please give me Big your money. Cause yeah, that's, you. My, that's my attitude. But at the fuck same all time, all. it's like, I don't know. I can't help but have empathy because I've met some rich people in my time in New York and like, I don't know wealthy people family like just look at the trump family and how like one of his own nieces just wrote an expose yeah. about how much of a terrible person he is it's like yeah. when there's rich people family infighting it's like a whole new level because you can yeah. afford to hire a private investigator yeah. you can afford to like do all this crazy shit like yeah rich people fighting sometimes i'm kind of glad that i'm like ratchet and redneck because you just scrap it out and then you're done like yeah. you don't hire a private eye to stalk them for three years you don't yeah. like sue them out of all of their money and like yeah i don't know 
Yeah. No, I feel like there is, it is like, it's been just fascinating watching the whole thing kind of like disintegrate into this, this like game of game of Thrones um, after, after Reverend Moon died. Like it, it's just been, I mean, quite hilarious. I mean, sad, sad, but hilarious to watch all the, all the infighting happening. Uh, but you're right. I feel like you may, you, you, you probably seem to have a bit more like sympathy for them, um, which I, is not wrong by the way. Um, but yeah, it's, kind of like fuck fuck all y'all yeah yeah that's my attitude but yeah um but yeah you know i i think you're right like it can't be easy like growing up like in that environment it is a fucked up family environment um and yeah pretty fucking crazy to grow up like that I don't know. And it's like when you have that much money and you have that much clout, you can kind of get away with whatever you want. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess for those people who aren't aware, it's like, it's like, you know, imagine like, you know, the richest kids, imagine kids born with like a silver spoon in their mouth, but also told that um, they they're are spiritually chosen and spiritually, everything they do is like perfect. Yeah. Yeah. They're spiritually chosen. Everything they do is perfect. They can do no wrong. Uh, literally mm-hmm. no matter what they do, the most fucked up thing, you know, beating their wives, um, you know, all, all sorts of other fucked up shit. They can do no grooming wrong. teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can, kind of yeah. Literally do no wrong because they are the Messiah's kids and they're like, you know, more perfect than the Messiah in a way um yeah that's that's how fucked up this family is um yeah jesus christ i was like so yeah someone should should do like i mean you could write a great like book about that shit um just just all the infighting and stuff like yeah be amazing um just kind of just kind of looking at time here and sort of looking at some of the other questions here um I think we should probably wrap up soon, but I'm just kind of wondering, like, are there, is there anything else like you want to say, or like, I don't know, questions you have for me or like, you know, just like, like what, what do you want to do with the last, like, you know, five or 10 minutes, I guess. Um, so seeing as this is a podcast for people yep. who might be on the fence or yep. like yep. people just trying to like solidify the new narrative they're writing for themselves. Yeah. Um, I think it's important. And I'm, I'm, interested to see how I end up phrasing this because I don't I've never tried to articulate this before but it's like just I feel like the most helpful thing is not to get lost in the heat of your own resentment um, and sort of just look at shocking information as just information Um, I think when like if if i'm trying to convince someone that the organization they are dedicating all of their time and all their money to does not have their best interest in mind the worst tactic for me to take is to come in guns blazing just insulting everyone left and right just heated as fuck because that just on a biological level sends them into fight or flight mode and activates their animal brain and they're like okay this is the time where i fight satan and side with the second coming of christ yeah um the thing that woke me up was a bunch of people who genuinely cared about me and didn't want me to change religions and was yeah. were just like asking me to explain the blind spots that I didn't even know I had. Okay. Um, and without who, any sort of ulterior moment. Who were those people? 
they were random coworkers at this commission-based sales job I had. They had no okay. skin in the game. They'd never heard of yeah. movies before. Okay. They believed everything I told them about it. Um, but they also had some pretty good bullshit detectors because they were door-to-door salespeople and business okay. salespeople in Manhattan and like the okay. boroughs of New York, you know? Yeah. So like they could kind of tell when I had been indoctrinated to say certain things. Okay. Uh, but they also had no previous understanding of the Moonies and no reason to yeah. believe that it was a cult. So they kind of just asked honest questions. That's, yeah. So they could like, kind of look at it really neutrally, like dispassionately, just like yeah, ask really innocent questions in a way. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to know like why I seemed so uncomfortable at a bar or mm. why I was so passionate about tiny little details about somebody's lifestyle or my lifestyle, mm. you know? Their focus wasn't even talking about the doctrine. Their focus was talking about me yeah. and my quality of life and how yeah. I felt in my body. Yeah. And I feel like that's always something that when you're in a group, like a high control group or a cult, your personal experience is always the last priority. Like you're yeah. always taught to suppress your emotions, yeah. to like, you know, sacrifice whatever plans you had previously yeah. and just dedicate everything to this higher cause. Yeah. So it's such a unique experience to go to someone who's been in a group like that for so long and ask, get them to focus on themselves. Like mm. a lot of people can't even do that. They can't yeah. do it for five minutes. Like yeah. it's like, you're literally asking them to exercise a muscle they've never used before. Yeah. It's like, how do you feel in your body right now? What yeah. mood are you in right now? How yeah. do you feel about your life? Like, yeah. so, and when it comes to like, if, if I'm on my way out, because for a while I was living with a Mooney family that was like the parents were still devout. They still had pictures everywhere. Yeah. But the kids were dating and getting married outside the church and yeah. all that stuff. And it's like, if I showed animosity towards the church, there was no conversation. Mm. But if I asked them like, so why are you so angry right now? Like, why are you going on a 20 minute loud, aggressive rant against uh, the gay agenda over breakfast? Like, why are you gangbanging on bacon right now? Um, Let's tone it down. Like, what is making you so heated? Yeah. It's just like a lot more effective in that way. That's a really good point. And I think that is, uh, and it's something that I personally struggle with is like, but I know, I know it's the right approach because it's like, uh, a smarter person than me once, once stated, like, you can't, you can't reason someone out of a position that they did not reason themselves into. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you like, if you try to point out the flaws in a way of thinking, like people just get, they get protective about it. Um, and so the only thing to do is to like, try and relate to them where they are and ask them, like you said, like, where, like, what are you feeling? How are you feeling like that? And it's actually really interesting. Like, fine, you mentioned that. Cause like, like, I don't like, that's something that like my parents never asked me like, like in like my entire life, like, how are you feeling about this? Why do, why do you feel like this? Yeah. You know, like, like, so even just, just thinking about that as a device to just relate to someone and just like, you know, get to know them where they are like like forget the ideas but like you how are you feeling um i think that's i think that's really powerful and i'm I'm trying to think like the corollary or like you know for someone who's like on the fence how do you like get that experience i guess it's like just trying to like hang out with some people that are not church members uh Mm -hmm. and just hopefully like befriend them and like (laughs) just talk to them about what you believe uh and see what they say and like you said those people don't have any skin in the game um, and I think that was actually really formative for me and my, in my departure was just getting to know other people 
uh, and not even talk to them about my experiences, but just looking at like how their families lived and what they were doing in their life and how they viewed the world. Like that was actually really informative for me, just, just seeing that. So yeah, in a way it's just about, you know, exposing yourself to, to other people and hopefully having the type of conversations that, that, that you had. Yeah. It's like, honestly, I feel like in 2020, if someone in the unification church doesn't have a single outside friend, I don't know if that person has any sort of desire to change, Yeah. but most, I, I hope, I would definitely hope that 90% of any still remaining Moonies yeah. had at least one or two outside friends. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, I don't know, <laughs> hopefully that'll like, the more time they spend, the more that'll sort of inform their experience. Yeah. I almost like, I honestly... I enjoy being here with you and talking about this and participating in efforts like this. But at the same time, ultimately I feel like it's only a matter of time before every movie uh, either wakes up or continues to live the way that they have chosen to live. If that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I feel like there are always going to be people who, who react to change by digging even deeper into the sand and it's like you were never going to convince them of anything healthy for yeah. them anyway. Yeah. Like, and the people who genuinely want good for themselves and to change for the better in any area of life, it's only a matter of time before they wake up and see that this yeah. religion isn't serving them. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't know. I would like to think there's a way of interacting with people that might, you know, help to. For sure. Help, like, help there, to push you can them. definitely say them, things like, that'll. Speed you know, it up, but like, like yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do know what you mean. Ultimately, and I, I agree with you. Like, it has to come from within. You have to like want to critically examine the world around you, uh, and 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 you know, you know want to like look at the the incongruencies and, and inconsistencies and and like examine those. Um, if you don't have a willingness to do that, like you're gonna get you're gonna get stuck. Whether it's the Moonies or anything else, you're 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 not gonna be able to get out. You you have to be able to like examine those those points where it's like you know things just aren't adding up uh and yeah some people just just aren't ever going to get there but my hope is that having these conversations might illuminate some of those points for some people um but yeah you're right it's got to come from within um i'm just hoping this helps to like i don't know speed up the process for some people um for sure we'll see we'll see what happens um Cool. Do you have any other, uh, I don't know, anything else to say or, or also I want to give you a chance like to like plug your, your yourself, like, like anything, anything that the viewers can do or can do to like help you out or learn more about you and what you're doing in your life. Uh, so the name that I've been going by on the internet is Fabian. That's my first and my middle name. F-A-I-T-H-Y-E-N. Although my handles for Instagram and Twitter and YouTube our faith yen with a three for the e so faith okay. y3n okay so you can find me on instagram twitter and youtube okay. faith yen with okay. a three for the e okay amazing um yep cool well thank you very much faith uh i hope to speak to you again this has been very illuminating and um yeah wish you uh wish you all the best best of luck with everything that's going on in your life thank you
cool. It was fun. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Folks, there you have it. It's the end of part two with Faith. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about after listening to this is this concept that Faith stated very eloquently that you're never going to convince anyone of anything that they don't want to believe themselves. And I think of that when I talk to people that have patently irrational and illogical beliefs and I try to engage with them on a logical level and I am just presented with a deluge of illogical arguments. And I think it just points out that faith is right in that regard. There has to be a kernel of wanting to see the truth for what it is as opposed to what you want it to be for anyone to change their beliefs about anything. So thank you, Faith, for stating that very eloquently and very succinctly. I want to say thanks again to Faith for her time here. Um, once again, there will be links to all of the resources that Faith has mentioned in the show notes, which will be available on various podcasting platforms as well as on my website at fallingoutpod.com. In terms of who we got next, I still need to figure that out, but I have a lot of options. And we're going to figure it out between now and next time. Thank you all, and I hope you stay tuned because we got a lot more good shit coming. Peace.